This is Democracy, a podcast about the people of the United States, a podcast about citizenship, about engaging with politics and the world around you, a podcast about educating yourself on today's important issues and how to have a voice in what happens next. Welcome to our new episode of This is Democracy. We are going to discuss today the role of state attorneys general, uh, those individuals elected in every state in the union uh, to play the role as the highest law enforcement officer in each respective state. These are races that often do not get nearly as much attention as governor races or Senate races. Uh, But as we've learned in recent months and years, Uh, Attorneys general, uh, not just at the federal level, but at the state level, play an absolutely crucial role around elections, around enforcement of the law, uh, around environmental issues, and and a whole range of things that are essential to our democracy, issues we discuss every week, issues we know our listeners always want to hear more about. Uh, So this week we're going to talk to uh, someone who is running to be the uh, state attorney general in Arizona. This is Chris Mays. Chris is the Democratic candidate for Attorney General in Arizona. As I said, she has served on the Arizona Corporation Commission from 2003 to 2010, and she's a professor at the Sandra Day O'Connor's College of Law at Arizona State University. Uh, Chris, thank you for joining us. Thanks, Jeremy. It's great to be here. Before we get into our discussion with Chris, we have, of course, our poem from Mr. Zachary Suri. Zachary, what's the title of your poem? Prayer at the Sickbed of Truth. Wow, I'm a little concerned to hear this, but let's go. (laughs) Before a dozen empty seats talk and talk, they find us napping and build a city of lies. It chips away into powder like talk, like talk. It's not like it matters who lives and who dies. In the windows as our forests burn, great urn. On the street, in the schools, it bakes, boils, and fries. The earth will, yes, continue to turn. Don't learn. There isn't anything but what your money buys. Please, ask me again if this is real. It's real. Ask me again if you should just do what you please. Ask me again, I beg, is this real? It's real. Or the sky can't be blue. The dog has no fleas. Before a dozen empty seats, talk and talk. Look, do you see it? Tell me, do you hear the cries? We are hurt, we are hurting. They squawk, they squawk. Yes, there is still truth. Do you hear how it cries? Hmm. I love it, Zachary. What is your poem about? My poem is about uh, the fact that our our society really no longer has as prominent a a two-sided political discourse. Instead, we have one side that is trying to simply do the minimum to uh, to continue the rule of law and uh, truth in our society. And another side that is trying, uh, that, that has built a sort of political campaign, a political platform uh, in, in fantasy. And, uh, and, and the way in which uh, we simply need to call that out and, and not stand for it. Hmm. Uh, Chris, do you agree? Well, there certainly, uh, thank you, Zachary. There certainly is a, a lot of, uh, of that uh, in Arizona right now, unfortunately, in the Republican Party. And uh, we have an, three uh, candidates for statewide office here, the top statewide offices who are uh, engaged in a lot of that kind of behavior. So yeah, that, that there are echoes of your poem, unfortunately, in our political system right now. 
And, and why, Chris, is the role of attorney general that you're clearly devoting your career to, and there are many other things you could do, you're devoting yourself to this, why is that position so important for protecting truth and law? Well, I mean, the the attorney general's office in almost any state is the top law enforcement officer in the state and the, the top legal officer in the state. You are responsible, the AG is responsible for uh, representing state agencies, representing the state before the United States Supreme Court, uh, for upholding the rule of law, for upholding and enforcing the Constitution, um, and enforcing laws, and um, also for uh, you know making sure we have uh, free and fair elections, enforcing election law, and unfortunately, uh, in in our state, we have a Republican Party, or at least the leadership of the Republican Party, that it would appear no longer actually believes in the rule of law, no longer believes in democracy and is willing to go to great lengths to undermine democracy. And I think you see that in uh, uh, the a lot of the actions uh, around the fraud that happened aft- out here, the efforts uh, to um, send fake electors to Congress uh, in the 2020 elections, and, the, um, and ultimately in the candidates that have just been nominated by the party for governor, for attorney general, and for secretary of state. Why is it, Chris, that people can run for attorney general um, and not believe in the rule of law? It would seem that, that that's a requirement for that that position, right? Yeah, I mean, it is a it is a bare minimum. At bottom, you've got to believe in the rule of law. You've got to believe in um, upholding uh, uh, law and um, protecting the Constitution, uh, enforcing the Constitution. And so it's hard to believe. I mean, really, it's surreal in a lot of ways uh, that we have gotten to this point in Arizona and and in other states. Um, But that's but that's where we're at. It's a very dangerous place to be. And I I do not think it's hyperbolic to say that in many ways, American democracy runs through the state of Arizona in 2022. Um, because if we elect an attorney general or a secretary of state or a governor who refuses, for instance, to certify the 2024 election, then we will essentially have lost our democracy. Um, and attorney general races are in particular, particularly important in this regard, because not only are they usually a part of the certification process for presidential elections for for elections, they they also are responsible for making sure that um, you know our election laws are followed. And if we have an AG in any of these states who refuses to do that, it's a it, it puts our country. A democracy, our Republican grave peril. Taking a, a quick step back, I think many of our listeners are aware of the importance of attorneys of attorneys general and maybe vaguely aware of the role that they play in their states. But could you maybe for for, for others describe um, uh, what the specific responsibilities and powers of an attorney general are? Maybe with Arizona as an example. 
Yeah, I mean the the powers are very broad actually in 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 most states. And so like I said the attorney general usually represents state agencies is the lawyer on behalf of state agencies. So that's sort of sort of the basic duty of the of the AG. But attorney generals often, in, in my case, would be responsible for prosecuting white collar uh, crime, for going after, uh, you know, uh, drug smuggling and, and uh, uh, drug smuggling offenses. Uh, for instance, we have a fentanyl crisis in our state. There's um, public corruption. So I would be responsible for prosecuting public corruption wherever it is, uh, whether it's in government or, uh, or elsewhere. Um, that one of the huge responsibilities of most AG's office is to prosecute consumer fraud. And, um, you know, for instance, last year alone in Arizona, we had 15,000 complaints of consumer fraud. Those were just the complaints that were filed with the AG's office. You know, we're seeing so many more uh, efforts to scam our senior citizens and to scam consumers. And we have to have AGs who really are focused on, on prosecuting that consumer fraud. The attorney general uh, in most states also is responsible for, uh, for instance, entering into class action lawsuits on behalf of the states and for settling those kinds of cases. So the, the opioid um, settlement was done by AGs across the country. The Volkswagen case was done by attorney generals across the country. Um, and, uh, and then, of course, there's other issues like in our state, water. You know, one of the things we're dealing with today is uh, a water crisis in Arizona, and the AG needs to be involved in the settlement uh, negotiations around the Colorado River. I just finished a press conference where I said, you know, we are going to go after instances where, uh, you know, we had a, just had a situation out here where, where our state land department allowed uh, a Saudi uh, uh, Arabian company, a Saudi company to um, use Arizona water for free um, to grow alfalfa to send back to feed cows in, in Saudi Arabia. These kinds of things, um, you know, really need to be investigated by an active and vigilant attorney general. Why is it um, that in the past few years, it seems, Chris, people have perceived, and perhaps it has been the case, that these offices have become more politicized? Attorneys general have always run as Democrats or Republicans or in the 19th century as Whigs and, and various other party affiliations. Um, but for much of our history, and particularly from, let's say, World War II forward, there was the presumption that even though there was some partisan affiliation, that an attorney general was a professional and that the the basic job would be done the same way, whether it was a Republican or a Democrat. Why do you perceive that has changed in places like Arizona? Well, that is a great question, and I, I think there is some truth to it. Um, I don't actually think that, I think that most of the politicization is coming out of one political party, and that's the Republican Party. Um, the, uh, the Attorney General, for instance, in Arizona, and one of the things that I'm most critical of him for, Mark Burnovich, is how deeply he has politicized the AG's office. You know, he has 
turned it into his own sort of launching pad for his ultimately unsuccessful bid to unseat Mark Kelly here from the United States Senate. He, for instance, um, took millions of dollars out of that consumer fraud fund I was just talking about and put it in something he called his federalism unit, which was basically designed to go after highly politically charged lawsuits that really looked more designed to get uh, to get him on Fox News than <laughs> anything else. And they were lawsuits that were mostly doomed to fail, um, but that were clearly sort of coming out of one political ideology. And, and, and that's really unfortunate because you're right, Jeremy, these, this office should be as nonpartisan and apolitical as any statewide elected office is, um, except for perhaps the last one that I, that I held, the, the Arizona Corporation Commission, which is Arizona's Public Utilities Commission. So, you know, you have... In the AG's office, what is supposed to be the top law enforcement officer, that is not a political job. In in the case of a public utilities commission, you regulate utilities, you set energy policy. That really shouldn't be a political job. But, you know, in just too many cases, I think uh, you see in many, and again, I hate to say this, in many cases, it's Republicans who are seeing these jobs as good sort of stepping stones to be, to getting, making it to the governor's office or making it to the United States Senate. That's really too bad. What I have told Arizonans is that I am going to leave politics at the doorstep. um, And my job is going to be to be the lawyer for the people of Arizona. My opponent, for instance, talks like he wants to be Donald Trump's lawyer. I want to be the people's lawyer, period, full stop. So I think that's that's traditionally how people had talked about the office. So I think you're you're resonating with the, the real course of our history until recently mm-hmm. um, and resonating with what democracy needs. Democracy needs the rule of law. How would that look in practice, let's say, uh, with one of the m- most controversial issues that I think every state attorney general faces, um, the question of um, abortion? Right. I mean, so how how will you try to depoliticize that that issue? <laughs> yeah, and you're right. It is it is an extremely difficult issue, and that's one of the one of the. I mean, there's so many things that are that are unfortunate about what the United States Supreme Court did with the Dobbs decision, but it's certainly instantaneously. Uh, through this very highly charged issue back to to AGs and to the states um, and and has created a, a nightmare scenario really where you're going to see ongoing litigation both within states and probably between states um, as you ha- as you see really egregious and terrible situations like uh, you know in which you know, uh, states that have banned abortion attempt to extradite women from another state back to their state. You know, one of the things I've promised to do as attorney general, we're not going to extradite any woman uh, for an abortion prosecution to another state, or we won't allow any woman to be extradited out of Arizona. These are the kinds of crazy situations that we are facing now that uh, the Supreme Court has uh, has issued the Dobbs decision and uh, overruled and overturned Roe. 
How would I handle it? Look, um, my job as attorney general will be to uphold the Arizona constitution. And like a number of states, or several states anyway, Arizona has a very, very robust right to privacy in our constitution. And the Arizona constitution is the highest law of the land. That right to privacy, Article 2, Section 8, which guarantees that no person shall be interfered with in their homes or in their private affairs, I believe makes these trigger laws that are on the books in Arizona and that date all the way back to the Civil War era unconstitutional. Um, And uh, unfortunately, the current Attorney General Mark Burnovich and my opponent for attorney general wants, they want to re-implement, restore uh, that 1901 law that bans all abortion and would put doctors, nurses, and pharmacists in prison potentially for up to five years for assisting with an abortion. And I got to tell you guys, this is um, wildly unpopular with Arizonans. Uh, The vast majority of Arizonans, something like 87% of Arizonans, believe that abortion should remain legal and safe in all or most instances. And I would venture to say the number is even higher when it comes to the number of Arizonans who believe that this should remain a private uh, issue and that the Arizona constitutional provision... um, protecting the privacy of Arizonans should be the law of the land in our state. So I will enforce the Arizona constitution. And when I'm attorney general, we will never prosecute a woman, a doctor, a pharmacist, a nurse, a a midwife, or a doula um, for um, abortion or abortion uh, care. But how do you handle an issue like that um, where the law is so clearly on, on one side or, or the truth is so clearly on one side, and 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 there, 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 there remains uh, an intense opposition. How do you remain apolitical while enforcing the law when it seems like the rule of law is itself political? I mean, it's a it's a great question, but I think you can do it by doing what what I am doing when I talk about this issue, which is to talk about the law, to talk about the constitution and to stay within the confines of that constitution. I try to stay out of the, the political uh, elements of, of abortion. Obviously, it's hard to do. It's a, it's a highly charged issue. And people of good faith believe different things about this, and I fully recognize that. But I also think the vast majority of Arizonans believe in our constitution, and that it, it should be upheld. And I think they'll support me if they know and when they know that I have a, a solid legal and constitutional grounding for the decision that I have made about whether or not, in my case, not to prosecute women, doctors and nurses for abortion. Um, and so I think what you do is you just have to continue to talk about it in turn in legal in terms that that are grounded in in the constitution and the legal reasoning behind why i'm not going to prosecute uh people for for abortion in arizona ultimately there will have to be a political solution to this question i mean 
the Ari- the people of Arizona will need to put this issue to rest, and I think they're going to. I think that in a couple of years, we will have a ballot initiative in 2024 that will say that will say Arizonans believe in in the right to choose, that Arizonans believe uh, in privacy, and that abortion should be legal. That will be on the ballot. I believe it will pass overwhelmingly based on the polls already in Arizona. And so we will, we will, we will, the constitution will have even more clarity than I think it already does. And I really like your point, Chris, about uh, the way we talk about issues. This is a recurring theme for us each week, and it goes back to the history of our republic from its very founding. Uh, Democracy is not simply about power. It's about justice and about the ways in which we frame our discussions, which is why our founders spent so much time arguing and writing about about these issues. A hundred percent of the people are never going to agree on anything. But we have to make valid arguments that are not simply about my side being uh, right and your side wrong, but more about a process of justice. And I, and I think you did that really very eloquently right now. It's about the Constitution. It's not really about what you think, right? Yeah, it's about the Constitution. It's about the process of justice. It's about about the fact that you know we recognize that there will be likely a ballot initiative in the future where all Arizonans will be able to again weigh on, be able to weigh in on this issue. And I think I also, you know, I also like to talk about our constitution because the Arizona constitution is, is, I mean, it's a marvelous document. It was fashioned between 1910 and 1912 when we became a state. It's actually a quite progressive constitution. It was crafted during the sort of trust busting era of the United States, uh, sort of Teddy Roosevelt times. We had very progressive Republicans and conservative Democrats who gathered at our constitutional convention, and they crafted this this very robust right to privacy because they were concerned. They also crafted a corporation commission that was elected statewide. They were worried in that case about the power of monopoly utilities, the power of big railroads over individuals. In the right, in the case of the right to privacy, they were worried about a, an overweening government's power to intrude on the privacy of Arizonans in their homes, in their private affairs. And so, I think when you really that is our constitution, and that is the supreme law of Arizona, and I believe it's my duty to uphold that constitution until it is altered or changed. It may be changed. I think it will be to actually reinforce the right to choose in Arizona. And as you said so well, that's the core mission of any state attorney general, which is to defend the state's constitution. If I could ask one more question, um, and I ask this in light of the current politics that we're in, um, what is it like to be a, a woman running for this kind of office, an office that's traditionally been held by men, where mm-hmm. there is such a sort of forceful argument, almost um, violent argument often made on the other side. You're taking this away from us. You're you're not doing what we want you to do. If you could just reflect on that, I know many of our listeners struggle with these issues. Many, many female politicians, my wife <laughs> deals with this. So I'm curious your, your perspective as, as a, as a woman running for this office. Yeah, it's interesting. And I, I obviously was a woman also running for, for the Arizona Corporation Commission, which was also a traditionally a male, um, dominated, um, 
uh, office. I think I was only the maybe fourth woman ever elected to that office in a hundred years in Arizona. I would only be the second woman ever elected attorney general behind Janet Napolitano. She was AG before she was the governor of Arizona. And I would be the first mom ever elected in Arizona history. Wow. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. But long, long past time probably for that to happen. But, um, you know, it's interesting. And, And you're right. There's, um, there's a lot of aggressive, uh, you know, language used uh, in, 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 in even some violent language used on the other side. Um, but I tell you, I'm, I'm pretty tough, too. Um, I'm, I'm a pretty aggressive. Uh, I'm pretty aggressive in defense of my my views and in defense of what I think is is right for for Arizona. Um, but, uh, you know, I think here's the deal. I mean, um, I, I believe that Arizonans are ready for common and really crave common sense um, solutions oriented uh, elected officials and politicians. They're kind of sick of uh, the nonsense rhetoric that we're, we've been getting, especially from Republican politicians who want to keep talking about the 2020 election and, you know, my opponent wants to decertify the 2020 election, which is not only illegal, there's really no mechanism to even do it. So, you know, it's utter, utter absurdities. And they want people who come to the table, whether they're a woman or a man who, um, they, they, they just want people to come to the table with solutions to the really hard issues that we have in our state. We have a water crisis. We have a fentanyl crisis in Arizona. We have, um, you know, a, an explosion in the levels of elder abuse in Arizona. We have a consumer fraud crisis in Arizona that has to be tackled. We are one of the, fa- if not the fastest growing state in America, one of the fastest growing states in America, which uh, presents issues, but also great opportunities. And, you know, we have an extraordinary opportunity to, to, to shine, to be a great state, but we've got to do better in so many, so many of these areas and metrics, including education funding. Um, and, and, and I want to be a part of that solution. So, you know, I think that whether you're a man or a woman, uh, going to the polls, how old, however old you are, however young you are, I think they're going to be looking for people who are talking about issues, who are talking about the future, and who are not talking about the 2020 election. Makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. And and it's good mom's common sense also, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so we always like to close on a positive note on how a historical and political analysis can move us forward, just as you said, uh, because there's certainly enough pessimism and cynicism out there all around us. So how can our listeners who want to make a difference, um, how can they get involved? What do you think would be most helpful for them to do? <sighs> Boy, I you know I here's what I here's my pitch. Uh, wherever you are listening, in in the United States of America, uh, wherever you are, but especially in the U.S., take a look at your attorney general's races. Um, these races are going to be critical in 2022 for the future of our country. Um, and um, make sure that whoever you're voting for believes in American democracy believes in the in the rule of law, 
um, and is is not focused on uh, who won the 2020 election. Um, and I think, uh, you know, if you do that, if you focus, we've got incredible AGs running across the country who are going to be pivotal to defending our country's democracy in 2024. People like Dana Nessel in Michigan, Josh Call in Wisconsin, of course, me in Arizona, Jen Jordan in Georgia, Daniel Ulfelder in Florida, uh, Rachel Garza in, in uh, Rochelle Garza in Texas, and Aaron Ford in Nevada, among others. These AG races are really critical um, to the to to whether or not we can preserve a healthy democracy in America, and we absolutely can, and we absolutely must. This country has given us so so much. And whether you are, uh, you know, the leader of a nonprofit, the leader of a corporation, a, a mom, a dad, a teacher, um, these um, these races are are critical to our to our future and to the future of our kids. Zachary, are young people paying attention? I think they are. Um, I certainly am, as someone who's going to get to vote for the first time in in twenty twenty two, and I I think that. Uh, Really, I think that young people want common sense, and and they want it fast. Um, and and I think that that hopefully, with a new generation of voters like myself and a new generation of citizens, um, we will have a push towards a more common sense, problem solving, dedicated, uh, public service oriented government. Do young people understand though what Chris has explained so well? How how valuable and important attorneys general are. I think so. I do think that 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 the digital age has, in some ways, made at least uh, campaigning more superficial. Um, not that it ever wasn't, but I, I do think that uh, there that, that young people um, have the ability to be much more informed than in the past. They have access to this kind of information, uh, and, and the the important thing to do is to try and try and give them access not not just give them access to this, but uh, encourage them. Uh, to learn about these issues and and to get involved and show them that they have a place in this discussion. Right, to seek the truth, as you said in your poem. Well, uh, Chris Mays, you have uh, educated us, uh, as I'm sure you've been doing in the classroom for years and as you've done as a a really distinguished public servant uh, on the Corporation Commission in in, uh, Arizona. And uh, I hope all of our listeners will go to your website. It is Chris Mays, K-R-I-S-M-A-Y-E-S dot com. We will put it up with this podcast. Chris, thank you so much, and good luck with your race. Thanks, Jeremy. Great to be with you guys. Wonderful having you on. And Zachary, thank you for your poem as always, and thank you most of all to our loyal listeners for joining us for this episode of This Is Democracy. This podcast is produced by the Liberal Arts ITS Development Studio and the College of Liberal Arts at the University of Texas at Austin. The music in this episode was written and recorded by Harris Codini. Stay tuned for a new episode every week. You can find This is Democracy on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. See you next time.